This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, you're listening to Good Things, the show where we talk to good people who are doing good things. I'm Dashran Yohan. Abim, or Angkatan Belia Islam Malaysia, is a Muslim youth movement or organisation in Malaysia which aims to not only empower Muslim youth, but also bridge the gap between Muslims and non-Muslims in the country. So joining me on the show today is the current president of Abim, Faisal Aziz. Welcome to the show, Faisal. How are you? Thank you, Dashran. Uh, I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me and Abim on the show. Yes, thank you for coming on the show. Um, Faisal, let's, perhaps you can start by telling me exactly what Abim is all about. Okay, uh, it was a long story. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, Abim uh, is an Islamic organization or Islamic movement uh, established on 6th of August in 1971. So, uh, this time around, uh, we celebrated 51 years of Abim. Right. In 1970s, in Muslim world, it was... Uh, international trend of Islamic revivalism. So uh, during uh, that time, uh, Abim uh, became the earliest of Islamic organization in Malaysia, carrying uh, the message of this reformist and revivalist of Islam, uh, pioneered by Hassan Albana, the Egyptian scholars who pioneered the Islamic movement around the world. That's a very important history of Islamic movement around the world. So Abim was part of uh, this uh, so-called pan-Islamic awareness around the world. Post-colonial, of course, um, there are demands from the public at large uh, to to have or to look for the identity of Muslim uh, in the post-colonial era. Historically speaking as well, in 1971, uh, those who founded Abim uh, was who were the leaders of Student Union. Right. Uh, we had uh, PKPIM, uh, Persatuan Kebangsaan Pelajar Islam Malaysia or National Union of Malaysian Muslim Students who graduated from University of Malaya. So one of them like uh, Anwar Ibrahim. Uh, we had also Tan Sri Sanusi Junid and many uh, university students uh, from University of Malaya. Those, uh, most of them are not Islamic backgrounds. I mean, they are not stars, but they are professionals. Right. So uh, they learned a lot uh, from the Islamic movements around the world uh, by reading English translation of the books. Because, you know, those times, the pioneer of Islamic movement, like I see Imam Sabana's uh, students, they were banished from Egypt uh, during uh, dictator time, right. uh, period of time in Egypt. So they went to UK, uh, to Switzerland. So many young professionals and graduates from, I mean, Muslims like Anwar Ibrahim, Sanus Junid, they learned a lot from this Islamic awareness, Islamic revivalism through English texts. So uh, they formed Abim mm-hmm. after graduated. Uh, uh, and they managed to promote Islam uh, through charity works and education programs aimed at the poor particularly. So, uh, we, ha- we had many agencies uh, those time, like Yayasan Anak Academy. It is a private school known as the Institute to Serve as, as a Centre for Islamic Education. Those who draw out from uh, universities and schools uh, uh, gain uh, opportunities to relearn through this Yayasan and academic established by Abim. Right. And in and in 1980s, uh, uh, my last word for this question, <laughs> Abim went through a highly successful period, particularly when the idea of establishing the Islamic University and Islamic banking, 
that derived from ABIM's annual general assembly has been realized through the establishment of International Islamic University of Malaysia (IIUM) and also Bank Islam Malaysia. And at the same time, uh, ABIM also uh, sometimes people uh, say ABIM uh, uh, always uh, perceived as intellectual organization because uh, we has these traditions. ABIM uh, had molded a diverse uh, school of talks, including from the local scholars, uh, for example, led by Said Muhammad Nakib Alatas. We are also uh, scholars Muhammad Nasir, Boya Hamka from Indonesia. Uh, and not to forget, uh, we also learn from uh, the late Ismail Faruqi, the founder of International Institute of Islamic Talk in US. Right. So that's uh, the brief introduction of Habib. Yeah, uh, you mentioned a lot of interesting things there, right? Um, and a couple of things that stood out to me was number one, um, you you mentioned that uh, you know in the seventies and and eighties, it was going through a period of Islamic revitalization. Um, in, in that sense, um, and also, um, you talked about the identity of Muslims um, in a post-colonial world. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? What was the Muslim community at that time um looking for? That that required a NGO like Abim to surface. Yeah, actually, if we read books, for example, like uh, written by Esposito, um, we can see the trend of the Muslim world, especially ten years after independence, face the same challenges. Like in Malaysia, we have uh, May of May 13, 1969, right. even in Pakistan, in many uh, across the globe in the Muslim world, we face the same challenges because uh, for the Muslims, especially, uh, there's still a lack of um, uh, the genuine or the pure identity of Islam because uh, Muslims, those time they perceive the problem of colonial uh, over 100 years uh, being colonized by mm-hmm. Western colonial when they brought the idea of uh, so-called westernization and de-islamization there are a lot of uh, uh, words that, that you can use so uh, it comes uh, with the frustration of the muslim uh, so that's why i've been emerged uh, to have a solution and, and that's why uh, this time in 1970s i've been uh, through uh, our establishment we brought the idea of islam as a way of life and we brought the book or the idea of Saint Aki Alatas when he wrote a book Islam and Secularism. So we we need to map out uh, what kind of Islam. I mean, uh, the real practicing Muslim uh, uh, post-colonial era uh, as an alternative. At the same time, we also should uh, bear in mind we need to uh, counter the extreme narrative of Islam because you know. In the post-colonial era, there are there are also there are many groups of Muslims uh, because of this frustration uh, on the Muslim side. Right. So anyone can be champion. So Abim, we want to be uh, in a moderate manner. We want to bring or lead Malaysians Muslims in the post-colonial era in a moderate way. Right. So would you consider Abim? Um, as a, a sort of a moderate Islamic group or a, a progressive Islamic group, how would you um, um, categorize it and, and how would you define that category? Okay, uh, frankly speaking, uh, actually I'm not that comfortable, comfortable uh, with right. the labeling of syndrome 
uh, in our society, you know, like conservative right. Islam, progressive mm-hmm. Islam. Uh, because the only idea that I know, uh, the, the idea of Islam that I know, uh, we as Muslim, we have roles in bringing the society forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, Islam is a religion that provides benefits and solutions to all. So, um, practically speaking, uh, as I've been president or as I've been member, uh, we, need to, we need to encourage dialogues, engagements, mm-hmm. collaborations with all stakeholders. So, Islam is not just about rhetoric, slogan without action done. So, um, yeah, since you asked me about no, progressive no, yeah. Islam, uh, yeah, of course, uh, as I said, the only Islam that I know is uh, we as Muslim, mm-hmm. uh, we have roles in bringing the society, the society forward. So, when we talk about the practicing Islam, it should not be separated from the reality of society. Okay, for example, uh, what Abim believes, uh, the measure of success of for Islamic awareness, for example, should contain the same assessment of the people's quality of life index, uh, the corruption perception index, uh, the environmental performance index, and other benchmarks that should be able to show the improvement from the increasing of Islamic awareness. So, this must be hand in hand. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah, so the assessment must be hand in hand. That's what uh, I could see from the understanding of progressive Islam. Yeah. Faisal, tell me a little bit about how Abim has evolved over the years. Because um, the founding of Abim came at a time where, um, like you mentioned, there was a sort of um, void when it comes to um, Islamic identity in the post-colonial era, um, you know, with the 60s, the 70s, um, after World War II, and and so on and so forth. Um, But now, you know, many decades later, um, whether it's in Malaysia or many parts of the world, um, you know, countries have evolved. Um, history has has evolved. Um, you know, Islam as a religion has has evolved as as well. How has Abim evolved over the years? Yeah, uh, actually, um, of course, uh, it, as what we discussed just now in nineteen seventies, Abim brought the campaign Islam as a way of life. Right. Uh, we published many books about Islam. And also, uh, we did offer free tudung to Muslim women mm-hmm. in kampung-kampung as a symbol of introducing tudung to the masses. So, when we talk about the practicing women, I mean, uh, women wearing tudung, uh, mainly it came from Abib. When we have a campaign, we offer free tudung for them. We explain to them uh, the importance of wearing tudung and so on. Uh, but now, Islamic awareness, yeah, if, if you look through history, has prospered and gained success, especially in the 1990s. Professor Ekhari Ajunit, in his book, Islam in Malaysia, he, he, uh, he mentioned uh, this success uh, as a triumphalist Islamization. Uh, so, having said so, uh, for me, uh, involvement is very important. And the discourses uh, touching on Islamic awareness, revivalism, and so on, which revolves around the discourse of the post-colonial era should be shifted uh, to the discourse of post-COVID era. Now we live in a post-COVID era. And of course, in entering the post-COVID era, that further accelerates the growth of technology uh, that changes the way of life of the community dramatically. We need to carefully study and map out the future of Islamic awareness agenda. Because uh, yes, uh, because of this COVID, uh, the the youth now uh, they are really different from the kids uh, past. 
And so, uh, all in all, uh, we need to be open as Islamic activists or Islamic, uh, I mean, Islamic NGO leader. We need to be open in order to pioneer the new discourse of Islamic awareness by adapting it uh, based on the demands of the time. So, uh, we need to evolve. We need to speak uh, through the language of the current reality. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, otherwise, we will, we will not be relevant. And at the same time, this is very important. Not only about relevancy, but also we have a big responsibility uh, to play a bridging role uh, for the people through this passage of time. Right. Um, you know, I'm very curious, Faisal. Um, you're, you're the current president of Abim. Um, mm-hmm. when, we, when we go back in time, um, we have people like Anwar Ibrahim, who was one of the core members of Abim at the time. And correct me if I'm wrong, um, even Hadi Awang was part of Abim at, at one point. Um, they are both very different people, um, especially over the years. They have grown to be very different people um, with very different outlooks of Islam. How do you, as a you know member and president of of you know Abim, um, how do you process this? How do you make sense of this? Abim believe in uh, dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, openness, and we don't have this kind of you know indoctrination, right. and that's why in Abim Usra or study circle in Abim discourses in our AGM, for example, we celebrate differences. And any, any anybody can be Abi members. Mm-hmm. Can even if they can uh, contribute more, they can be. Uh, I mean, they can have uh, bigger roles in Abim, uh, and that's what we do believe. We don't believe in indoctrination. Uh, of course, there are uh, rules. For example, we have constitution uh, of Abim, but in terms of idea, we celebrate uh, many kind of different kind of ideas. Uh, even this was in 1970s, even during uh, Abdul Hadi Awang, uh, he was the chairman of Abim in Terengganu. And at the same time, Anwar Ibrahim was the president of Abim. And not, not just that, we also have uh, the late uh, Arwah Fazino, the former president of PAL. So he was the deputy president of Abim. So uh, we we have very diverse persuasive or intellectual of idea of thinking. But at the end of the day, um, we uh, uh, coordinate through discourses, dialogue, discussion, and so on. Okay, we do need to go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Faisal Aziz. He's the president of Abim. After the break, I ask him about his personal journey in activism. Keep it here on Good Things, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Good Things. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Faisal Aziz, the president of Abim. So, Faisal, I want to talk to you about your own personal journey in activism as well. Um, tell me about when you started um, your journey in activism and how you eventually became the president of Abim. I started knowing Abim yeah. uh, during my school time uh, when I read uh, books written by Arwah. Uh, Sidi Fazil, right. uh, the former president of Abim. Uh, yeah, the good things about Abim, uh, they have many publications, books. Uh, I mean, who really like to read, they will know Abim better. So I started, I mean, knowing and have interest in Abim after reading books uh, written by uh, the late uh, Sidi Fazil. And uh, when I entered university, uh, I studied law in International Islamic University of Malaysia, IUM. 
then I started uh, to actively to actively involve in Students Union or Student Society. Uh, there is PKPM, uh, National Union of Municipal Students. And in PKPM, I learned a lot. Uh, and I learned in PKPM and ABIM to appreciate the differences. Because uh, uh, during my school days, you know, they have this kind of ideology of political Islam, supporting past, supporting, uh, I mean, certain political parties, I'm not. But when I enter university, when I know PKPM and ABIM, so uh, I started to know about uh, this kind of moderate idea of understanding of Islam. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, uh, everyone of us uh, share the same uh, interests, share the same uh, common goals, which is to improve the quality of life of the society. Uh, and then, yeah, so uh, in PKPM, uh, I became president. Uh, there are many things uh, that we did, especially in terms of helping students in universities and also students in schools, more on motivation, motivational talks, programs, SPM levers, uh, to encourage them to be next in line of PKPM leaders. We, we believe in transition, of course, to promote them uh, to be brave in terms of helping contributing to society. So uh, these are the programs that we conducted uh, during PKPM time. And then after graduated, uh, while practicing as advocate solicitor, I joined ABIM. And uh, later on, I became assistant secretary general, became secretary general of ABIM uh, during Amiji's time, Raimi's time. And then uh, later on, uh, now uh, I, I became the president of ABIM. Yes, uh, in, in 2018, uh, AGM started from that. So, why is this cause, um, whether it's empowering Muslim youths or, you know, um, like you mentioned, you know, one of the things you do um, is having dialogue and not just dialogue among Muslims, but um, dialogue in, uh, you know, between Muslims and non-Muslims, interfaith dialogue um, and, and things like this. Why is this cause very important to you? Why did you decide, you know, you, you said you came across Abim while you were a teenager, but, you know, why did you decide, you know, I have to be part of this, I have to do something to contribute to this? Okay, actually, um, Abim teaches me a lot, especially mm-hmm. Abim teaches me to be moderate in many things. Uh, because for for me, uh, by being moderate, we can work with other people. Uh, and because we believe that Islam is a blessing for the whole world. We have this uh, Quranic uh, term, Rahmatul uh, Alamin, is a blessing to the whole world. Not just for a specific group of Muslims. So Islam should be understood as a blessing that transcends religion, culture, ancestry, and skin color. So in practice, uh, Islamic activists uh, should not consider working with a wider community outside the Muslim community as not working for Islam. For example, I myself, I work with Bersi. Uh, I was deputy chairman of Bersi. Right. So being deputy chairman of Bersi does not necessarily mean that I'm not working for Islam. Uh, so this kind of idea need to be uh, embarked uh, in in a Muslim uh, society, and I believe this from Abim because Islam is a blessing for the whole world. So Abim's work in bringing about change, for example, through a joint efforts uh, of civil society organizations, CSOs, uh, 
uh, is a joint effort to implement the this kind of merciful agenda uh, of Islam, Ramatullah Alamin. So, uh, this can open our perspective to explore wider paths ahead in the spirit of uh, sharing the expression of, and uh, of various parties. And uh, one more one more thing, mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about uh, Abim's agenda, of course, we are youth organization. We believe in youth empowerment. So when we talk about youth empowerment, uh, for example, Muslim or non-Muslim youth empowerment, we want to empower the youth to the extent of bringing youth to be a game changer, to change the society through several focus. First is education, second is charity works, and third is advocacy engagement. Okay, on education, uh, I mean, we have uh, schools, uh, we build schools, we conduct activities with the university students, with young parents, uh, aiming to educate the public at large, to be individu- individuals that benefits the society. And when we talk about education, uh, education involves uh, discourses, uh, studying on data, express opinion on the society problems and challenges. So uh, this focus is followed by the second one is charity and humanitarian works. Right. So through these two main focus, uh, ele- uh, okay, uh, uh, this this these two main focus, uh, education and ch- charity work, is not just a, I mean. Uh, program that we have uh, to be reported to the Registrar of uh, Use, but it is very important focus because through these two main focus, we are able to promote good values for the society to help each other, and not just that, we also able to establish a new narrative helping each other simulation. So that's why, uh, if I may share, uh, Abim's initiative, uh, for example, in helping each other. We uh, most of the time we get involved with all this kind of multiracial and multi-religious society. So we we need to draw a new narrative that all Malaysians are responsible, regardless of races, to help the poor who are in need, and also right. all people who are in need also need uh, to be helped. So this kind of new narrative that I want to build through education and also through this practical program uh, for the public. Right. And on that note, right, Faisal, um, you know, we've been independent as a nation um, for more than 60 years now. But yet, mm. our country is becoming increasingly polarised across racial and religious lines. But just, not just across uh, racial lines, right? Even among, um, let's say, the Malay heartland, we see more progressive, more moderate uh, outlook of, of Muslim. And we also see more extreme, you know, regressive, sometimes even sort of very fascist um, rhetorics that are very fascist in, in nature. Um, and we've, we've seen this especially heightened over the past few weeks, a few months. Um, why? What do you think we did wrong as a nation? Okay, I think this kind of polarization uh, problem mm-hmm. uh, also uh, happen across the globe. Yes. Not only in Malaysia, we have yeah, like in US, we have Black Lives Matter. Like in India, in 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 many countries uh, across the globe. Yeah, of course. Uh, I can list uh, maybe two reasons mm-hmm. uh, uh, that uh, came about uh, of this polariza- polarization. Yeah? First, 
yeah, I think about uh, disappointment or frustration. Uh, we can see in the aftermath of the pandemic, for example, uh, it dragged the country to the problem of xenophobia. We have, you know, these anti-migrants, anti-refugees, uh, certain people in our society were influenced by certain quarters to see the pandemic through this polarization lens. But fortunately, uh, yeah, of course, uh, uh, ABIM and our multiracial or uh, interface uh, NGO mm-hmm. uh, and, and others, they are groups uh, believe or see uh, the pandemic from the positive perspective where COVID-19, for example, taught us about the spirit of unity, helping each other, because at the end of the, at the, end of the day, we as a human beings, uh, everyone of us feels the pinch and everyone needs help. And secondly, uh, reaction. When one party reacts towards another, for example, uh, this polarization happened when uh, both parties react to each other. Uh, mm-hmm. Both extreme, I mean the extreme line, A, hardcore, B, they react to each other. So it caused this polarization. So that's why we need uh, to always be in the middle ground be moderate or in Islam we have this kind of word wasatiyah, just balance without putting ourselves in either extreme far or left so, so this is very important and of course uh, uh, it is a long journey especially to educate the public uh, not to mention about the social media uh, issue as well because uh, for example if I may share as well like TikTok just one minute uh, video it can change everything because, uh, and, and of course, it it is different uh, with our uh, uh, traditional way of having info. Yeah, for example, you know, before this, we have this kind of interface dialogue. We have any kind of uh, engagements, civic engagement and so on. So, for example, when we have problems, ABIM and Friendship Group of Intelligence Services, FGIS, for example, when we have these Islamophobia issues, when we have uh, anti-other religion issues, for example, what we did, we called for a meeting with all these uh, interreligious groups to share talks and insights uh, before making any statement. So this is very important, the way, even though it is a traditional way, but it is very important to, to, uh, to cool down the country. But uh, as I said, having social media, for example, like one minute talk, it is not about dialogue, it is not about conversation, it is a conclusion of the dialogue. Yeah, So we need to do something, uh, at least to encourage more open dialogue uh, with all stakeholders, with all races and religions in Malaysia. Absolutely. Um, you know, I want to get your thoughts. You, you mentioned the word moderate a couple of times um, throughout this conversation. What... What does moderate mean to you? And with that in mind, what is your ideal Malaysia? What does an ideal Malaysia look like to you? Okay, moderate meaning uh, it is a balance, just balance. I mean, you should not put yourself uh, in uh, extreme ends, either A or B. Because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, in order to be... uh, solution provider for the for any issues for any problems in Malaysia uh, you need you need to gain trust from all right. uh, stakeholders so in order to gain trust from from all stakeholders you need to be moderate you need to be just moderate not not only uh, you know uh, compromise but you need to be 
in principle just uh, you need to stand uh, along with your principle uh, we, at, the end of the, at the end of the day you want to have a solution so you need to be just you need to listen to both sides of group of people for example and you need to provide a solution based on this just balance uh, principles and of course uh, i have i have also my dream for malaysia uh, and uh, i've been uh, through decades even in our energy assembly in uh, i mean in many seminars we conducted uh, for example seminars or program on bangsa malaysia uh the identity of bangsa malaysia uh, i mean the dream of abim i mean uh what we want to see malaysia uh forward so when we talk about bangsa malaysia sometimes people can uh, use this as a tool uh, to critique or to confront with business because if you look bangsa malaysia for example from a political lens of course it is uh, i mean it opens to criticism uh, yeah for, for example when we talk about uh bangsa malaysia as as a tool uh, of racism for example uh, for example uh, so called like can we can the identity of the race of course it opens to criticism but i have i have to clarify this when, when abim when we talk about bangsa malaysia we we need to use the correct lens not political lens so we need to lead uh, the people to be an inclusive and unique and bangladesh is a identity that can be a unifying factor so we unite all malaysians through the shared values what kind of values yeah the the easy values or the explicit values uh, is uh, helping each other so this kind of values of malaysia that we want to bring forward when we talk malaysia when we talk about malaysian people yes we have this kind of similar values helping each other so this is the value of bangsa malaysia the value the identity of bangsa malaysia we share the common values and when we talk about this identity it is not just about as i said to compromise the the identity of uh, races uh, you are chinese or indian or malay uh, it is not just that but it is about as i said how to un- unite all malaysians through this kind of values so this is important uh, as an alternative to uh, race identity uh, so that people can can see more because you know at the end of the day we should bear in mind we have many identity right. even i myself even we can just look at our whatsapp group we have uh, maybe hundreds of whatsapp group so <laughs> it it resembles the identity of our our life yeah. uh, maybe bicycle loving coffee identity uh, teachers professionals so there are a lot of identities right. in our right. life so uh, so bangsa malaysia is one of the competing identities that can be alternative so that people will not look just through the lens of race and religion per se but as a malaysian what we can do to move forward to unite each other absolutely all right um as we slowly wind down this conversation faisal um is there a, how how can people um people listening support abim and is there any upcoming projects or initiatives that y'all are working on that you like to um plug uh yeah uh yeah inshallah uh in march 15 uh actually it is in conjunction with international day to combat islamophobia uh, it is a resolution uh, passed by united nations uh we look forward to have 
uh, or to organize uh, International Day for, I mean, to combat Islamophobia in Malaysia on March 15. Uh, it is very important, uh, as I said, uh, in parallel to what I've been trying to bring, the idea of universality, openness, amenable to cultural diversity, uh, the, the term or the idea of cosmopolitan Islam, for example, we need to address the frustration from the Muslim side as well. That might be a hindrance to materialize this idea because um, uh, if, I, if I may quote a report by United Nations Human Rights Council, mm-hmm. which found uh, that suspicion, discrimination and outright hatred towards Muslims has risen to uh, epidemic proportion. So we need to address this issue of Islamophobia. Right. And at the same time, we need to counter with the new narrative, the new line of Islam as way of life that uh, benefit the whole society. Uh, not only uh, give benefit to the Muslim per se, but also what we can do to move the society forward. Islam is a for all. Islam is not just for Muslims. And when we talk about, as I said, or as I mentioned just now, the the measure of Islamic awareness, practicing Islam, is for all mankind that can benefit uh, our daily life as a Malaysian. Absolutely. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Faisal. Yeah, thank you very much. That was Faisal Aziz, President of ABIM, which is Angkatan Belia Islam Malaysia. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on the BFM app, bfm.my, or pretty much wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Dashan Johan, and this has been Good Things, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.